Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. My next guest has been great to me. I mean, great to me. And he's a big deal. He's on Fox and Friends on Fox News every morning. Has his own great show on Fox News, 9 p.m. on Saturday nights, One Nation, right after my good buddy Mark Levin. And, of course, does a tremendous job following me each and every weekday morning right here on WABC. He's a very talented Brian Kilmeade. Good morning, Brian. What's happening, Sid? Thanks so much. I mean, if I'm on on a Monday and you want all your biggest names, am I? does that mean I'm your biggest name? I mean, can I, I can only conclude that. Well, well, you're in there. I mean, look, uh, today's guest list, Siggy Flicker, Bill O'Reilly. These are some huge, huge names. So, yes, you are correct. <laughs> well, the biggest. The I'm biggest. Gonna just give me a second. I'm, give me, I'm changing my resume right now. Hold on. Just fill, fill the. Okay, I did it. I just sent. I'm sending it out to Kinko's. You didn't send I'm it anywhere. It. And the truth is, with you being in Michigan and Kansas and Pennsylvania, all over the country. It's amazing. I guarantee you never mentioned my name once. Not once. Uh, you did come up. You come up a lot uh, when I sign anywhere in the area. So I forgot uh, in two or three areas, people say, I'd really love to hear you on WABC. And I go, oh, you like the show? He goes, no, no, I like you with Sid. I'm like, oh, okay. Thanks. You know I'm on after Sid, right? You know I got my own show. Which is, oh, it hurts my feelings. No, no, but. come on. You're great. But I, I do love hearing that. I'm not going to lie to you. So, uh, <laughs> so I left my house this morning. I had a, uh, all kinds of water damage last year. I had to move out for Did six you? months. Had to move back wow. into New York City, which I could really do without at this point. And uh, now I've got uh, another issue. And uh, last night, the rain, the wind coming into work this morning. They, as I was driving, they were shutting down the Verrazano Bridge. The Bell Parkway was a mess. So I need to know, Brian, coming in from Long Island, from Massapequa to Midtown, 49th and 6th, what was your trip like this morning? It was pretty bad. Uh, you know, I feel so fortunate and I was so worried uh, because I'm in Wichita. You can't get back directly. I had to go to Atlanta and then they screwed up my uh, transfer. So I'm saying to myself, I'm looking at this weather and I'm thinking I'm going to be stuck. But I was able to land. I actually landed at midnight. So oh I've only God. slept a couple of hours. Right. I know, it's crazy. But by the time I got up, it was a typhoon on Long Island. Not an actual typhoon, but it was really bad. It just, we'd, uh, so it just took my time, you know. They do send a car for me in the morning. On the way home, I'm on the train. But they do send a car so I can get some work done in the morning. But I did notice we were going about 40 miles an hour as opposed to, you know, I demand 85. Right. Uh, I demand top speed. <laughs> yeah. I did not want a hydroplane to work, though. Right. No, it's dangerous out there. So folks that are getting in their cars right now, listen. Listening to me and Brian, it is uh, it is rough out there. So be careful on this Monday morning. So well, you know, of course, that uh, last Saturday, nine days ago, I had the great opportunity to spend a lot of time actually with President Trump. He was in town, the New York Republicans Club, a big event, thousand people, Cipriani's, and of course, the guy that runs that club is a guy named Gavin Wax. And everybody was talking this weekend that there's been another discussion between Trump and Gavin Wax again. Trump coming back to New York and having a rally in the South Bronx. Now, people go, why? I'll tell you why. Because Trump really believes, and he said it more than once last Saturday night, he can win New York. And a rally in South Bronx will only help him do that. What do you think of Trump and Wax getting together and Trump maybe ending up in the South Bronx? 
And you know, it's so interesting. So I'm in Wichita, and you know, believe it or not, yeah, I, I love traveling around different states and getting a sense of what's going on, you know, Midwest, wherever it is. And one of the questions last night was, why do uh, Republicans only talk to the audiences that they vote for, that's going to vote for them? You know, I, what are you talking about? He goes, how come I never see Republicans in the south side of Chicago? How come I never see Republicans de- dealing with black audiences in New York? And I said, they have no plan. They just hope that they realize at one point that Democrats are hurting them. And I think it's a huge liability. They have no plan. So they, they don't make an effort. And why? Because they've been frustrated. They put an effort in. The vote still doesn't come their direction. Where historically, Lincoln was a Republican. Frederick Douglass was a Republican. Booker T. Washington was a Republican. Every Though the Democrats, they were the ones historically with the Jim Crow. That's their idea. The Ku Klux Klan. That's their idea. There was jujitsu done in the 1960s and I would not be I would not be afraid to go into these audiences you set up of you know set up security do what you have to do and get people to challenge you Trump's got the answers you know if these candidates don't have the answers they shouldn't be president this is what I'll do and listen first off listen what are your issues what are your frustrations what do you think when I say when I support the cops why do some people interpret that as I don't support minorities what would you, let me hear your point of view and then I'll give you mine and then maybe they'll say you don't know what it's like X Y and Z that's called a dialogue and it also shows people care show up that's all you have to do. Show up. This could be the beginning of showing up. And look, Vivek Ramaswamy has done that in certain areas. There's been no cameras. I know he's done it, though. I would love for Trump to start doing that. But not just here. I'd go into Chicago. I, I'd go into all these inner city areas, Charlotte, North Carolina, these purple states where, for some reason, they're competitive. Go into these cities. Go into Philadelphia. And just say, what is the problem here? Go and sit to do your press conference around Skid Row over in Philadelphia. Say, this is the reason I lose this state. What, what exactly are the Democrats doing for you guys? I love that. I think you bring up a, a great idea. You're right. Not uh, Don't just keep it to the Bronx. Take it all over to all these cities. Donald Trump. Now, on the flip side, you've got Joe Biden, who now is losing, according to the latest polls, in seven major swing states. And he keeps asking for a two-state solution. Now, I'm Jewish, so it's a little more personal to me. Now that you don't care, everybody cares. Everybody was hurt by October the 7th. But it is more personal to me. And I can tell you, I don't want a two-state solution. We tried it for decades and decades. It wasn't just October the 7th. They've been killing Jews in Israel forever. Bombs at Sparrow, bombs on buses. The fact is, they just can't live together. We don't want them. I don't want them. No two-state solution. And Biden going on and on and on. Now you got Chris Coons yesterday on Meet the Press just hammering Netanyahu that he's the most impossible guy ever to work with. Even Lindsey Graham, who I thought was on our team, you just never know with a guy like him on Meet the Press, also offering that two-state solution. Take it from me, Brian. Israel does not want a two-state solution. Netanyahu does not want a two-state solution. Jews like Sid Rosenberg in the United States don't want a two-state solution. It's not going to happen. Biden needs to get aboard or get off the bus. You know, it's kind of interesting. So I went back and looked at Lindsey Graham's comments because I could not believe he said it because I've been traveling, but I got all the uh, transcripts, so I'm reading them on the plane. And he said to my friends in Israel, you do whatever you need to do best for the state of Israel. But I can tell you this, Saudi Arabia and other Arab countries cannot normalize with Israel if if they have seen, if they're having been seen as throwing the Palestinians under the bus. We have two choices. Continue the death spiral, not meaning for the country, the death spiral as in everyone dying, like October 7th as a catalyst for change. I think the Arabs are going to demand some form of two-state solution. 
resolution to recognize Israel. I think Israel is going to demand security buffers different than before, and they need to make those demands. I don't know how this ends. See, that's a lot different than it's being portrayed. But I'll tell you this. If you don't get this right this time, we're talking about another generation of tit for tat. So what he's trying to say is he goes to these Arab nations. This is what they're saying. He's like, I know what Netanyahu is saying. I understand the things can't go back. But what is the answer? I think he's trying to say in that statement, this is what the Arab's saying. I can't continue growing the Arab Accords if it looks like we're just abandoning the Palestinians. And that's the Iran's point. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Why is it Israel's responsibility to babysit these people? You know that there was a bunch of countries that could have allowed Palestinians in. When Israel said, you got to go, you got to evacuate, we're going to blow this place to smithereens. Every one of these Arab countries, Jordan, Egypt, said, no, thank you. So does Lindsey Graham know that? Does Joe Biden know that? Why is it my country's response, excuse me, why is it Israel's responsibility to harbor these people who, by the way, are taught at a young age to hate and kill Jews when no other Arab country wanted them? Why is that? You know what? I, I can't take the other side because I'm on your side. So I, I can't. I, I've I've read all these stuff. I remember, you know, in six. I remember in twelfth grade, you know, hearing about all these things. I remember in college having to take courses about this. And we remember all the Oslo Accords. You remember Ehud Barak. Remember how many times Yasser Arafat walked away, and then emerged. Then we quickly thought well, there was a chance at this. And then Condoleezza Rice, who I think is as bright as it comes, says, "Let's have a vote." And then Hamas wins the vote. And then everything just stopped. They go, you can't. We just basically gave Al Qaeda uh, of the Middle East a country. So that's when this whole thing derailed. And then it became intimidation. You know, the mob is in the area. You can't stand up against the mob. They got the guns. They got the weapons. They got the muscle. So I don't know how the Palestinians think. But having said that, Jordan could have taken them. They want no part of them. Egypt says this is a, this is a division of the Muslim Brotherhood. I want no part of it. They want they want it to be somewhere in that area. But the Palestinians had their slice of land. They abandoned it. And then instead of holding on to it, they started a war in 48, 67, 73, had an infantata and then 93. I mean, it goes 98, 2003. So this kept going, but we've never seen carnage like this. Right. So the answer is Bill Maher kind of nailed it this weekend. I really encourage people to look at his monologue. He says, hey, guys, you started wars instead of instead of grabbing a piece of a country. You've lost. You've lost that land. Game over. The problem is it makes it impossible with these other Middle Eastern uh, countries. So maybe you push it to the end and you just wipe them out. But what does happen to Gaza Day? Day two, you know, when it's over, day one, when when Hamas tunnels are blown up and for the most part they're gone. What happens then? 